This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. It's OBHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the All-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Is there a doctor in your house? For millions of people, doggone lucky to have a dog or more, the answer is yes. Dogs do a body and a mind and a spirit good. And here to share how dogs truly can be our best medicine is a New York Times bestselling author. She just unleashed her latest book. It's aptly called Dr. Dogs, How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine. Please join me in giving pause and applause to Maria Gudovich. Hey, welcome to the show, Maria. Thank you so much. That was a really cute introduction. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, you may think I had good with wordplay, but when it comes to you, Maria, you are a master at words and knowing all about dogs. Listeners, get ready to be surprised and elated by what Maria is about to share when it comes to the healing capabilities of our canine pals. But first, we got to take a quick commercial break, so sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones, actually. Sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Hey, it's me again. Yep, Arden Moore, host of the All Behave show during this commercial. You know what I love? I love my cats. I love pet safety cat Casey. I love my sweet Mikey. And I love One-Eyed Morty. Each one has their unique personality. Casey's a pet safety cat and teaches pet first aid. Mikey loves to lounge on the couch and purr in your lap. And One-Eyed Morty, he's just a purr, purr, purr machine. Now, you know what I don't love? Cleaning up the litter for Casey, Mikey, and Morty. Which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties now when I scoop. It's 100% dust-free. It's free of heavy perfumes, and it reduces airborne dander from scooping. Yahoo! So, what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New Cloud Control Cat Litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. It's undisputed that dogs are man's and woman's best friend. Now, for decades, dogs have mastered the ability to fetch slippers, perform dance moves with human partners, and chase those trespassing squirrels from our backyards. Some dogs are trained to help people with physical and mental challenges as service dogs. Others bring cheer as four-legged goodwill ambassadors in their roles as therapy dogs. 
There are canine athletes who do agility, dock diving, surfing, luring, and so much more. But as our special guest today will share, scientists and physicians are proving that dogs can detect cancer. They can alert people with sleep disorders, and they can respond effectively to people struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder and a zillion other things. So that is why I am very honored to welcome to our show New York Times bestselling author Maria Gudovich. Her latest book is called Dr. Dogs, How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine. Yep, she's the same author of Soldier Dogs, Top Dog, and Secret Service Dogs. Maria, I can't believe we've never met. We've been in the same dog circle, haven't we? I know, and and we were in the same journalist circle before that, and we didn't know each other then. Well, it's about dog on time. It's about time. (laughs) Yes. So So nice to meet you on your show. You as well. And I know you're a journalist, and uh, dogs are special to you with these other books that you've done. So tell us what inspired you to write this book, Dr. Dogs. Well, in my other books, I had really taken the deep dive into how dogs are saving lives of people in warfare or even saving people at the White House from harm. And so much of it is by use of their nose. And so this is, I started really hearing more and more about that time about, yeah, you know, cancer, this cancer detection thing with dogs is is legit. This is actually something that more and more papers are showing can happen. And I started looking into uh, some of the other specialties of these service dogs, and it, it's becoming known more and more through studies, as well, of course, as anecdotes from their people, that it's so much of it is about, of course, the bond, but the sense of smell. And so I started thinking, well, that's how they detect bombs and right. bad guys in my other books. So um, this is another way that they're they're helping us, you know, in our role as best friends and you know, on the front lines of of health now instead of in the front lines of Afghanistan or Iraq. So I, I started looking into it more, and I actually have a personal. I have I have like skin in this game, or actually body parts in this game. Because, uh, <laughs> We I'm have, glad you didn't uh, say boogers in the game. I know we're talking about the nose, but thanks for not doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, no, I do personally because um, we have a, a family history of a hard-to-detect cancer, hard-to-detect when it's early, um, and that's ovarian cancer in our family. And there's really no great gold standard test for that. And I became aware of some work being done at the University of Pennsylvania's Working Dog Center. They do a lot of, of work with detection dogs there, but one of their mm-hmm. prime projects is is about um, can dogs detect ovarian cancer? How early, uh, what kind of stage can they detect it? So it's really, really, really good scientific. And the veterinarian who runs it, Cindy Otto, she's also a PhD, is doing a phenomenal job making sure this is really rigorous protocol going on. Well, yeah, you mentioned it was with your family, and I know you mentioned in the book about your mother, Evelyn. Yeah, my mom, Evelyn. And some ants. And so my mom died. Um, at, you know, she'd never, she'd barely ever been sick. And suddenly, you know, we got the news that she had stage 3C ovarian cancer. Wow. And we, it was shocking. And she was, she was gone, a valiant fight uh, within a couple of years. My daughter lost her best friend, grandmother, uh, when she was six. And I kind of put my head in the sand for a while, thinking, well, you know, it was a fluke. But then I started hearing about some other relatives in Italy, actually. So that's why I didn't really know about this who had the similar condition and who, some of whom you know, perished and some are you know, still fighting it. So I kind of, there is no gold standard test and it's really expensive 
is just to get the ones that they suggest, which mm-hmm. are not really that great. And so I, um, I, you know, kind of, I didn't do it, but I did you know, talk with geneticists, got some of those tests recently, and I found out it's probably hereditary, although maybe not, you know, directly genetic, which there is a difference. And um, that made me feel extra close to these dogs detecting ovarian cancer or any kind of cancer. And that was sort of what tipped it over the edge. I thought, I okay. must find out more about this because this is personal. This yep. is a really personal book. And so I wanted to mix you know, really good anecdotes about the dogs um, who are working both in these research centers and at in the homes of people uh, with uh, other disorders like seizure disorders or diabetes. So the book has kind of the home dog part, of it, which is <laughs> yeah. true throughout, and then the research dog. Now, I want to make it clear from the get-go, which you probably were going to do anyway, that these dogs in what I call research centers are mostly you know, pet dogs. They yeah. come in. And yes, they we do live in work. the PC times, you know, protect yes, the no, no, we have to. I don't want people to think they're, you know, beagles in cages. And no, they're really happy dogs. And, you know, their paychecks are huge amounts of love and a bounce of their favorite toy or whatever makes them inspired to work. So the fact that they're doing this work and possibly saving lives in the future by, you know, for, for the bounce of a, a rubber Kong is just so beautiful. <laughs> I do it. So sweet. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Me too, well, and Gus, well, yeah. I can't say his name or he'll come running over. Yeah. That? Well, let's go into just the overview because it's a very thick book with over 20 pages and tiny font of all your sources. Talk about <laughs> oh, being a, hopefully not a, that tiny. That's just, that's. oh yeah, that's true. That is tiny font for the, yeah, for the um, Well, that tells me that, you know, you are a good reporter and a researcher. And as we used to say at the Sun Sentinel, if your mother tells you she loves you, check it out. And I think you've done yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> In yes, spades, I did you know? have to do that. Yeah, but I wanted absolutely. to just say that, you know, if you can help our readers out because they're going to buy your book. I don't just call them the listeners. I'm not already calling them your readers. How's that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> go readers, my people. Um, the book is divided into three parts. You want to just kind of give an overview of what the three sections are? Yeah, sure. The first part has to do with the physical disorders. I mean, in a, in a way, they're all kind of physical disorders, but the ones that uh, people are dealing with at home. So diabetic alert dogs, um, seizure alert dogs, and also actually the cancer detection dogs, and some dogs who don't specialize. So they're kind of like our general practitioners in the human doctor world. <laughs> That's good. And yeah. I, we call them medical dogs. So they're doing all kinds of surprising work. There's one dog, and, and some of these dogs are just one-off. They're, they've been trained on the scent of their person with their unique disorder, which may not even have a name, which doctors have no idea what this is. There's a young man in Southern California. He got a puppy who he, he trained with the help of a, a trainer on with his parents, too, on the scent of his disorder. It was being called some kind of a, what was it? it, was, it they didn't know what it was. And they thought, uh, you know, it was a strange other thing. And so they trained the dog on the scent of what oh. he would spit into a, a gauze or cotton pad, a cotton pad or gauze pad every half hour, you know, mm-hmm. do a little saliva donation, put it in the freezer. And then when he would have a paralysis, he would, his whole body would go into paralysis or dystonia where his entire body would cramp up and he couldn't move. And he has Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, so his joints would just dislocate all over his body. It was horrible. When that would occur... They would keep the sample within the half hour of that occurring. So the dog got to know the scent of that. And every time the dog would kind of recognize it, the puppy would get 
kibble, a little piece of kibble. And, and it was this happy, happy connection. And the dog ended up being able to alert ahead of time to every paralysis, every Macedonia. Nice. And nice. some of his paralyses had no breathing involved. So he, the dog saved his life on countless occasions. And he's had surgery since, which has helped the Good. symptoms, but the dog is still alerting. And then, you know, of course, so many people have diabetes. But okay, let's go yeah, over let's that get back. section now. Get so to that's, the next one. Sorry. That's, the ha- that's all right. It's a half hour show, but. Yeah, <laughs> we can but, use a couple more hours. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, this, um, the, let's the next do the second and third. Yeah, go Yeah, ahead. the next section is called Rare Breeds. And it's these dogs who are doing, you know, really unusual work. And one of them is about hidden, hidden enemies and dogs and their hunt for superbugs. Because as we know, they can really affect wide populations like MRSAs, which are not our friend, and they're they're becoming more and more common. Pathogens like Pseudomonas, C. diff, you know, Clostridium difficile, which is endemic in um, some hospital populations, and dogs are currently working in uh, some hospitals in Canada to track down C. diff in hospitals and prevent its spread. Wow. And um, they're doing a remarkable job. There, I, I feature an affable Springer Spaniel. Daniel in Vancouver who does this. And now there are at least two other dogs in that, um, in that area in BC doing this because they're so effective. So um, there are dogs who are, who are working to detect malaria, actually. They're trying to find out if dogs can be put in airports or crossing in borders in countries where there is no malaria or they've wiped it out to prevent people with malaria from getting in. And wow. dogs seem to be really good at this. It's early, early research stages going on in England, but it looks really good. So that's the second section. And the last section is about dogs, and it's called Out of the Darkness, and dogs and mental illness. And there are some remarkable stories in there about, well, there are dogs uh, for people with PTSD, which we are right. hearing about a lot, and not just military, but you know, people who have been through sexual trauma and other traumas. And there are dogs in times of crisis and disaster. So we have some crisis dogs and some disaster dogs. I mean, there there are people out there who. And we know Mother Nature is uh, has been very. It's happening more and more. This this hit us personally with someone we know who lost her home, and the only thing she had was her own dog. She saved her dog and her purse and her car, and that was it. And she was she turned 84 the next day, and she was up in the Santa Rosa, California fires, and she her dog helped her want to live through this. But also when we went to the recovery center, there were those dogs, the crisis dogs, who seemed to go to the people who needed the help the most. I don't know if they could sniff them or how right. that worked, but their their handlers said the same thing. And there's a there's a remarkable story in there of a young woman with schizophrenia. And that was really surprising to me. The dog was trained to help prevent her from hitting the worst parts of it. Sometimes, of course, medication is super important in this as well. You can't just drop right. medication. But the dog was trained to stop her from cutting, for instance, from self-harm. And also, you know, typical PTSD work like leaning into her, knowing when she needed to have the heavy body work, you know, sitting on her lap, leaning into her, giving her kind of a hug when she needed it. And But the most special thing of all was something that the dog wasn't even trained to do. Just by being a really friendly Labrador retriever, she realized that the dog can't, okay, she has hallucinations, both auditory and visual, of really scary bad people. And if the dog would, you know, he would wag his tail at anyone, even a bad guy. So um, she, she said if he doesn't recognize someone, if he's not seeing someone and wagging the tail, looking at this person that she can see, she's starting to realize that that person doesn't exist. And so just by virtue of the dog being a friendly dog who would acknowledge these you know, these people, if they were real, she's able to separate reality from the 
hallucinations much better. And the dog is definitely credited with saving her life as well. So well, that's great. The board, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dogs. Well, we're going to learn more about Doctor Dogs from best-selling author Maria Gudovich. But we got to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, the nose really knows, and we're going to share. A little bit about a special 3D gift that our author got and and a little bit about her yellow lab named Gus. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Pause up, everybody. This is your host, Arden Moore. And guess what? I wear different collars in the pet world. I am also a master instructor in pet first aid and CPR. And I have some great news for all you. Safety is one of the best skills you can learn for pets that you have and those that you care for from other people. That's why I'm excited to let you know we now have a two-day online interactive pet first aid instructor program. Yep, I have teamed up with Pro Pet Hero and I am your instructor. We use Zoom technology, which is great. So you can be wherever you are in North America. I can tap into you and we have a class of up to six people at a time for two days and we teach you all the veterinary approved hands-on skills to become a pet first aid and CPR instructor. To learn more, please go to ProPetHero.com. This is your chance to be your pet's best health ally. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey y'all, it's Kelly Pickler and you're listening to Arden Moore on Old Behave on Pet Live Radio. I love y'all. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Obehave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We are speaking with New York Times bestselling author Maria Gudovich. Oops, she did it again. Yep, she's got a new book out. You got to get it. It's called Dr. Dogs How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine. And it is amazing. I'm still reading it, Maria. I just got to tell you. But I want you to dive in. Let's compare the human nose to the dog nose and a little bit about a gift that you got from a guy named Dr. Staymates. <laughs> yes. Well, this gift that I got, we'll, we'll just open that gift right now and okay. that will lead us into the subject of the dog's nose. Um, <laughs> was a, I, I got this box. So I have a dog named Gus. He's a big, happy yellow lab. And um, one day we got a little package in the mail from the scientist I talked to. He's a, an expert in fluid dynamics. And he works for NIST, which is something with Stan- National Institute of Standards and something um, we should know. <laughs> and he, um, he sent me this. I had no idea what it was. So Gus ran over while I was cutting open the box and we're both excitedly looking and, and I pop it open and out comes a hard rubber version of a dog's nose. And <laughs> Gus wanted to run off. We thought it was like, oh boy, it's a new Kong. And, but no, no, no. This was a really big deal I mean, piece of equipment that would actually aid in, the, he has used the um, external nose of uh, a dog that they took um, an MRI of this dog's nose. It was a dog's head. It had been donated to science and they'd kept it in their freezer and they had actually already mapped the internal scrolls of a dog's nose just to see just what that was. And they did that via MRIs and they did the whole mapping and showed how exquisite 
and beautiful this whole technology that is a dog's nose is, but the outside, that little cute little end of the dog's <laughs> nose that we all yeah, love, is right? actually really important too. So this was to show how important the external part was. So the, it's kind of a hard white rubber on the outside, but the end is of this actually, this nose that was kind of copied and a 3D copier um, was made and it was a um, has a soft little end just like your own dog's nose and what they do is that they put this technology on on sniffing devices that, that sniff that are do chemical analyses and they have that kind of the swirls that the end that your dog's nose has and they they use the the way that dog sniffs which is like five per second and then an exhale through one side oftentimes and they use oh. that for the machinery and it increased the efficiency of the detection of various compounds by 16 fold or something when they did it like a dog did. So I have this nose in my hand and, <laughs> and I put it up on my desk because really this, what the book is about besides the bond is the dog's sense of smell. And it kind of inspired me whenever I would get away from that message, whenever I would think of, oh, you know, I, I met this great dog who is this amazing mobility dog and I love him and he has a great story with this hero Marine. And then I would look at the nose and say, yeah, but you're not using smell for that. Let's stay with cutting edge because that's what the book is all about is the cutting edge latest way. Well, let's talk so about the, that. The nose, yeah, so the yeah. nose, you were saying that the nose of a dog. Yeah, so besides the architecture of the dog's nose, which kept me inspired, the dog's nose can sniff in parts per trillion as well as in 3D. They're astonishingly sensitive. One table, you've probably, dog lovers probably know this, but a tablespoon in a substance of a substance in two Olympic-sized swimming pools is wow. kind of that parts per trillion business. And they have a much better olfactory anatomy than we do. We have about 6 million olfactory receptors, which is good. We can actually smell a lot better than we think that we can if we really kind of pay attention to our senses of smells. So we have 6 million of those receptors. Dogs have up to 300 million <laughs> Six million, three hundred million. You do yep, the math. I got it. And yep. their brains, are, their brains are better equipped to make sense of these scents. Oh, I hope that comes out right. But that's yeah, actually a good comment. Work. Their brains. Yeah. No, I just I don't know how it comes out on radio, scent. but no, it's radio. <laughs> but no, that's good. I smell you. Okay, girl. good, that's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and their olfactory world is really rich and vivid. It's kind of like our visual world. You know, the research I told you about with the ovarian cancer at um, University of Pennsylvania, Cindy Otto, likes to say that dogs smell in color. I love that. So, oh, you know, I've, I've seen one, yeah. them. Yeah, isn't that great? I've seen them sniff, you know, narcotics and explosive materials and that are in plastic bags, in a can, with a suitcase around the whole thing. So it's not a problem for them to find these things that seem so hidden to us in our own bodies. And one thing I just wanted to also mention is that they can smell emotions. Yes. I, you know, we kind of intuit that as dog lovers, but science is actually starting to show for the first time in some studies that, they are they are able to sniff out uh, emotions of fear panic, anxiety, and probably other things that we're not studying. But I, um, there's a woman I interviewed in Indiana. She's a PhD, and she, she does really good studies on dogs with other affiliates. And she uh, has a refrigerator and freezer that are stocked with human emotions. And so um, wow. I love that. So she's able to train dogs for people who have um, anxiety and PTSD by that person's scent and the person and the dog can they don't need that kind of training I think they can do that themselves but it's a really nice extra way to train so yeah I love all the things the dog's nose can do and when the dog is bonded to you that makes it even 
so much more efficient. And speaking of a dog bonded to you, you said that your playful yellow lab, Gus, likes to do some nose camouflaging of some sense. You want to share? Because I think there's other folks that are out there that can relate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been talking about how some dogs use their nose for their living, you know, or on the side right. or whatever. They like to, well, dog, my dog smells for a living. Gus smells for a living, but not in the same way. There's a difference. <laughs> In using your nose and smelling, my dog, Gus, likes to roll in things. And I I imagine that many of your listeners have had this experience where if there has been a horse anywhere on the trail, he will find that poop and try to roll in it or coyote poop or whatever. (laughs) It's almost like I I know I'm probably anthropomorphizing, but it's like he wants to become these creatures because if he does have a chance, I try to stop him. We go on a lot of off-leash hikes in some of our wonderful off-leash areas in California and the Bay area and he sometimes you know will get off track a little bit and and he'll come back and he will have these brown smears on him and i don't know why (laughs) but i see it and he looks so proud though afterward he goes straight he purposely finds other dogs and he struts up to them with this completely different demeanor and he puts his shoulder that he's rolled in the horse poop and he'll put his little hiney up to them where he has the coyote poop and they will act like he's a rock star especially the younger they are (laughs) the more they want to smell him and the more mesmerized they seem, oh, what are you? Are you dog? Are you coyote? Are you horse? What are you? So <laughs> I don't know why he's doing that, but there is evidence that they may want to be camouflaging or they may just enjoy the scent, and I don't know. But for him, he gets really proud. He, it's not just a thing. Everyone who sees this says, wow, he's, he is just he is rocking that scent. So maybe Well, I just like- thought of a sideline business for you and Gus. <laughs> you, oh, Gus, no. You could be manufacturing doggy perfume or cologne. <laughs> Catering only to dogs. There's so many of these pretty scents that on our dogs that make no sense to them. So I I think you should have coyote eau de cologne. uh, Oh, God. And you, you know, if, if dogs are listening right now, yeah, they're like, all, we don't I, want to. My dog is going, I'll buy one right now. I'll buy yeah. one. <laughs> oh, a coyote. If, you, if you've ever oh, heard, yeah. smelled coyote pee, oh, my God. Uh, you do not want to go there again. But, yeah, if dogs have Venmo or credit cards right now, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, we could probably make a killing. So yeah. we'll talk about our side business later. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get back to the book. It's called Dr. Dogs, and it's how our best friends are becoming our best medicine. And there were a few things I plucked out of here that maybe you can just give a little short, a uh, little explanation on. I was pretty impressed that there are some dogs in Japan that can help people open their chopsticks. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, uh, when I was there researching <laughs> the cancer dogs, I, I yeah, they have, um, there are people with mobility issues who, who have a really hard time with fine motor skills, and the, some dogs are trained to take the paper off of chopsticks and separate the chopsticks if they are at restaurants, and, um, and of course other yeah. So that that is that was so great. That was the same day that I saw worms sniffing cancer of all things. So I, yeah. I mentioned that in the book too. Yeah. So worms are sniffing cancer in urine and doing a really good job of it actually. So okay. who knows what that might become one day. But yeah, so that was a, that was a fun job. And then um, you were in Georgia Tech and there was a super smart border collie named Slay. You want to talk about this Fido talking yellow vest? 
Yeah, Skye was a, a fantastic dog. He very sadly and suddenly uh, passed away last year um, mm-hmm. from a seizure. Oh. But he he was super super smart, and he uh, wore he was the the model for the Georgia Tech geniuses to wear this uh, this technology is wearable wearable vest. So and the dog can there's one which I love where the dog. It looks like the dog has a voice. The dog can touch one sensor and say one thing and and touch another sensor and say another, depending on what the dog needs to do. And this particular vest was for a dog whose um, person might have difficulties where they may collapse or go unconscious or fall out of the wheelchair or whatever, and it's asking for help. So the dog would touch the nose to this one part of the vest that they could easily reach. And it looks like the the dog comes up to the person. It looks like the dog is saying, excuse me, my owner needs help. Please follow me. And it happened to be in a southern accent, which I thought was hilarious, um, but it was a Georgia Tech. But, um, and then there are other technologies that they're working on as well for touchscreens. Dogs wow. are really good at doing touchscreen technology, and there may even be uses in the future for dogs to be able to tell not only if there is cancer in a sample, but about how much, about, you know, about how strong is it by touchscreen technology um, that uses like a slide or something that might be easier than our, what we use on our phones, but, or even in, in the military, oh, it's this kind of bomb or it's this kind of explosive or yeah. for cancer, it's this. Um, and so I love that. And also just um, in, as far as technology goes, I, I need to mention, if we have a second, that can, when I talk about dogs detecting cancer, it's in, you know, the work is being done um, in laboratories around, research centers around the world, fun research centers for the dogs, and they don't ever expect dogs to be working in your hospital or with your doctor. The dogs are a step in the direction of finding out what the scent of cancer is. They're working, these scientists and physicists, wow. actually, and chemists are working with the dogs to find out what the scent of cancer is. They're using their technology, their chemical analyses to work with the dogs, and Back and forth, they're trying to isolate the volatile organic compounds that make up different kinds of cancers. Is there a signature smell of all cancers? Does does each one have its own? And how can we one day have a test where we can, or I might be able to blow into a tube once a year and see if there's even early stage ovarian cancer or something. Wow, that would like be that, nice. Where cancer detection will be fast, easy, cheap, and for early stages of heart detect cancers, and that dogs are leading the way in this. It just it just makes me feel so happy that they are they are doing this and that they're enjoying the work as well. Now we do have to give a little shout out because uh, there's some feline listeners out there. You jokingly and maybe not jokingly say maybe your next book should be clinician cats. <laughs> well, we're not quite there yet, but actually cats <laughs> do have. They're pretty good detectors if they decide to be, and it would be probably on their terms with some notable exceptions. There are some highly trained cats out there, but they turn out, a recent study showed that they have certain olfactory anatomy that rivals dogs in some ways. So, you know, there, there may be hope, but because cats are cats, it may take a long time before I write clinician cats. Um, but they have been documented to warn their own people of low blood sugar. There was um, one cat who um, repeatedly could tell his person that he had low blood sugar and one day he didn't pay attention to him and he went unconscious so the dog got the girlfriend the cat got this it was like a super dog um uh-huh. and so oh. yeah and there there are also you know cats who have apparently told their people that they have cancer so one cat would be nudging the breast of his person uh, quite annoyingly so and i think it was the husband who said you know maybe you should get that checked out and it was breast cancer now maybe it's coincidence there are stories like this that abound about dogs but it seems like more than coincidence for sure because um you know that you know there are stories so many stories out there of people 
finding out about their cats or through their dogs as well. But the ones yeah. in the book are mostly, we talk about pretty much um, the science of it. Well, I want to ask you, because as a journalist, you're not just doing these interviews online or through email yeah. and, and all that. You, can you kind of name, I'm thinking Amsterdam, Croatia, I'm trying to think of how many places, yeah, I, I countries did you go? around the world for this. Um, how? UK, I thought I have Netherlands. a contact like that. How'd you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, it, it did come out of my advance money, but it's okay. Oh. I, the book is so much richer. I, I got to spend time in Japan, Australia. I actually went to China thinking I was going to get something that I didn't, but hey, I went to China. Yeah, the UK, Croatia. I went to Hungary and spent a couple of days with the grandfather of canine cognition, Adam Miklosi, but unfortunately, and it, I got some great stuff, but unfortunately, after I wrote it, my editor really liked it, but he said it wasn't central enough to the theme, uh-huh. so that, that hit the fan. I thought that, that went away, so I'm hoping to get something on that. So I, I did get to go kind of to some wonderful places around the world. They didn't want to do this by phone. I'd like to be there um, in person when possible. You know, sometimes I might find out about a story in Indiana, for instance, on deadline that I can't get to Indiana, but for the most part, you know, it was was all, it was hands-on and it was really, it was kind of, uh, the research is all, it's not from newspapers or other books. It's me going through the scientific literature and trying to make it easy and fun to read, which I I think I accomplished because I I read my book and I understand it. So, (laughs) So far, so good. But it's it was it was a lot of fun tracking all these things down. And oh, Italy, Italy! I got yeah. to go to Italy, and then I saw some nice. of my relatives while I was there. There are some. Um, it's a lot harder in some European countries for them to get the approval of dogs doing this. In Italy, for instance, it's mm. it's pretty tough for the government to recognize um, diabetic alert dogs. But it's it's coming around. So um, that's good to hear. So um, it's really a worldwide effort. And and now in Australia, there are um, since I wrote the book, there's a new uh, cancer dog center there. So they're, and it's affiliate, it's a university affiliated. So they're doing some really good work. So it's happening around the world and the dogs are being treated really well. They're enjoying the work and it gives them something to do. And Gus could probably use that right now because I told you actually before we got on the air that he usually walks around trying to get me to chase him while he carries <laughs> the football. He's yes. doing that right now and he's looking at me plaintively with the football in his mouth and wagging his tail slowly, but I'm ignoring him. So we'll see what happens. Well, folks, we've been speaking with Maria Gudovich, and I want you to go to her website. It's pretty easy, guys. It's her name, mariagudovich.com. It's uh, Maria, G-O-O-D-A-V-A-G-E.com. Check her out on Facebook. And her book is called Dr. Dogs, How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine. But she is also the author of several other books that you need to take a look at, in, including Top Dogs, Service Dogs, and what's the Secret Service title again? Uh, oh, Secret, Service, Secret dogs. Service Dogs. Wow, that, dogs that was hard for me. Dogs. You're making it yeah, too no. easy. These, <laughs> yeah, it these wasn't damn the titles. most creative <laughs> title, but it wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. So, that, no. Um, you know how that goes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that was that. And, and, and you have a few books under your belt as well, and I, I, right. I need to get a couple more of them. So. Well, yeah, I, um, my favorite one is called What Dogs Want, and I decoded 100 things that dogs do say posture and what they mean when you should freak out and all that. So I got my degree in communication from Purdue, and doggone it, I put a book about dog communication together. See, that's how it works. Okay, I'm getting that one. Um, okay, that's how I that just sounds wrote good. It down. I, I think I know that one, but uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Gus, well, Gus thanks you too. Well, I and on behalf of my dog, Kona, she's a therapy dog. She's certified. And we go to Brookdale Buddies. And just to share a tiny story, she 
in a very small way is part of these doctor dogs, like you say, MDs, medical dogs, because she has that cognitive ability to tap into a person's emotion. And uh, one day I was teaching a pet first aid class and a gal accidentally came through the room where we're having the, the class and she clearly was upset. It was at the SPCA of Texas in Dallas. And she said, I'm just looking for the volunteer meeting room. And Kona's ears perked up and I said, oh, don't worry. It's just down the hall down there. And she goes, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just a hot mess. My dog died yesterday. As soon as she said that, Maria, Kona got up, walked over to this lady and put her paw on her leg and leaned in. And the lady just crumbled into a hug around Kona. Now that's oh, the therapy dog, right? That is a beautiful story. And it's it's a good thing I'm not wearing mascara right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is really... That is so sweet. Good girl, Kona. Oh, that is beautiful. So I'm very lucky yes. because we go to a hospitals and schools and, you know, Alzheimer's unit. And with my orange tabby cat, Casey, who's also a therapy pet, and he has emotions too, and uh, he taps into it. But it, it's nice to see the goodwill ambassadorship that our tail waggers can exhibit. Absolutely. I've been told that Gus should do that work. Um, it's just a matter of me, you know, getting the training and seeing if we can actually do that. So I figure we, we sort of do that on our walks with yeah. San Francisco, but informally, because a lot of tourists here and they miss their dogs. So it's kind of our informal way of doing it. But the way you do it is so beautiful. Thank you for <laughs> well, doing it's that. Kona. Kona. Kona, her yeah. <laughs> name is Ice Cream Kona, because she's a oh, really, oh, she's looking, she's in, she's in my office right now, she doesn't have a football in her mouth, she's lounging on no. my futon. Kona, when Aww. this is over, we're going to play fetch. Yay! No, All right. Hey, oh, um, so everybody, please, there's so much to what is in this book that one episode of The Old Behave Show can only skim the surface, but it is called Dr. Dogs. I really want you guys to check it out, and it's divided into three parts, and it's amazing. This lady, Maria Gudovich, has been all over the world, all over the globe, to try to find dogs, scientists, and, and physicians working in tandem for us for our mental, our emotional, and our spiritual health. So, again, go to mariagudovich.com. You're going to find out more. Check her out on Facebook. I'm glad you have the first four letters of your name. Just say it all. Good. You did good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, it, was fun. it was fun talking with you, Art, and you're, you're a great interviewer. Well, we uh, at this time want to give a shout-out to our producer, Mark Winner. He is the executive producer of Pet Life Radio. It is the largest, longest running, most listened to pet podcast network on the planet. And uh, until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.